Is it a gadget? Is it a gizmo? No, it's gadgets and gizmos with Steve Kaplan and Simon Rose. Oh, where do we begin today? We're going up in the air. Oh, how exciting. We haven't been up in the air since, oh, last week. Yeah, probably. Back in October last year, so very nearly a year ago, we Mm -hmm. discussed the rather bizarre Aleph flying car. Mm-hmm. Now, if you recall, this car looks like a kind of regular sports car, slightly a sports car from the side. When you look from the top, you can see that where the bonnet and the boot would be, or the hood and the trunk, if you're an American mm-hmm. listener, uh, there's actually a mesh uh, covering both of those, under which is uh, a giant fan, so one front and one back. Mm-hmm. And what happens is these fans make the car lift straight up in the air, when it gets up in the air, it, it rotates around its long axis so that the fans that were pointing straight up now point yes. to, to the side. The bit wings like the, of the jump car, jets. A bit like the jump jets, but when it rotates, the wings then become effectively biplane wings, giving it stability. Right. Now, obviously, you don't want to be tilted on the side while you're driving this thing or flying this thing. So the cockpit is on a rather complex series of gimbals that also rotates so that mm. you're level while your car is flying around. Well, there is some more information about it, which has just come out. This is the Model A, which they're describing as a low-speed vehicle. Maximum speed is 25 miles an hour. So they've done In that the air? On the ground. Oh, right, right. On the ground. So they've done that because it then puts it in the same category as a golf buggy, which is how they're able to get certification for it to be able to drive around on the on the ground. Yeah. They reckon it'll do 200 miles on the road, 200 pretty slow miles on the road, yes, or 110 miles in the air, which I think is quite surprising, given that it's got to carry all of its batteries, obviously, as well. But <laughs> be interesting to know where you land to get it charged. Well, <laughs> yes, <laughs> yes, indeed. Um, but you can order it now, or rather you can pre-order it now. I'm not sure the difference between ordering and pre-ordering, except mm. the chances are you would actually get it, I think, if you pre-order it. Uh, it'll cost a dollar under $300,000. Mm. And you can, for a deposit of a mere $150, or since we're talking about going up in the air, you can join the priority queue for $1,500. And then they reckon that by 2025, they'll be able to deliver you your flying car. How about that? Exciting or what? So I was going to ask where the engine is to drive it on the road, but then presumably it's electric. It doesn't really have doesn't need as well, much no. gubbins, does it? It doesn't have, no, it doesn't need an engine. It just needs motors in each of the wheels. 25 Very miles an hour. Stuff. I wonder if that's if that's sort of speed limited or if that really is what it'll reach. Because, of course, it's perfectly possible. As you've pointed out before, lots of things that say they're speed limited can be tampered with. Uh, they can, can. Go faster. I don't imagine there's the gearing to make it go much right, faster. Right, right. But anyway, Aleph, A-L-E-F, dot Aero, A-E-R-O, if you want to go and... Uh, so this could your, be the first car. flying car, the sort of thing we've sort of fantasised about yes. since we were little boys. It could well be. Yeah. And it's very pretty, if somewhat weird looking. <laughs> okay. Anyway. Well, let us know then if you put your name down for the priority list when you get it. <laughs> yes, well, exactly. Right. So still up in the air, hmm. I uh, flew back from France last week 
And I discovered, to my somewhat surprise, that even when you're in airplane mode, you can still use maps and they will still geolocate you. Yeah, yes, if you've downloaded them already. If you've downloaded the maps already. Well, I did yeah. that. So I downloaded the maps of northern France. Yes. Uh, nearly a gigabyte worth of map, but it was, there, it was on my iPad. And I could see myself moving along on the iPad because the geolocation still works. Mm. And you look down and you can see exactly what you're passing over, which is really interesting. Yes. Very, very interesting indeed. So just a little, little thing. I found it works sometimes and not other times, and I'm never quite sure why. Yes. I will, be, I will be taking a flight relatively soon, and I plan on, on doing that. But um, well, yeah, sometimes it's it working, sometimes you. not. Yeah. Mm. Though, I mean, quite a lot of the time, the, uh, there's a little thing in the back of the seat in front that sort of ostensibly tells you where well, you are. On a long haul flight, yes, but not if you're just hopping over the channel. Oh, right. Uh-huh. Right. Well, which, of course, you'd be able to do if you had an Aleph flying car. Exactly. Well, still up in the air. Mm-hmm. Let's say you're in the market for a jet. So you go to your jet manufacturer and he says, well, what kind of wings do you want? Do you want stealth wings? Do you want subsonic wings? Do you want a high altitude endurance wings? Do you want supersonic wings? Just two of them, really. Just two of them, really. Exactly. At which point he might say, you're not really serious about buying this jet, are you? (laughs) But the point is there are all these different variations Mm. and they all require a different jet to be manufactured. And if you're someone like the Royal Air Force, you might have 50 different kinds of jet, of which some of them we have only got two or three examples of, but they've still got to be custom-made for yes, you, yes. which makes them very expensive. Well, there's a company in Bristol called Aeolis, A-E-R-A-L-I-S, who are making modular jets. So they make a common core fuselage, as they mm. call it, so the, which is the, the, the middle bit, which has all the avionics in. And there are swappable wings, swappable engine, and even a swappable cockpit. So you can choose where your cockpit has one, two, or zero seats. The zero seats version being <laughs> if your jet is unmanned. Oh, I see, right, not, yes. Not just to save on cost. <laughs> but I think it's a brilliant idea. It seems extraordinary. So, I'd be slightly nervous knowing that my wings had just been swapped for something else the day before, but I'm guessing there's no real difference. No, well, they, they say that they give you the 95% of the quality of a, of a proper custom jet, but I think is, which is not bad, but a very much reduced cost because yes. not every part has to be a, a bespoke part. I think. Do you wonder who their customers for these will be? Because well, most people, other than the RAF, probably don't need to swap them around, do they? Most people don't. Well, training training pilots, you want these different kinds of, of wings. Maybe. Not uh, not for those who just want to hop across the channel while looking at Google Maps on our iPads. <laughs> true, true. And still up in the air, mm. because we are going to be up in the air. This is the last one, actually, for the moment. Electric planes. The problem with electric planes, I mean, they're a very good idea, because, of course, they don't burn noxious fuels or at least not up in the air. They all get no, burned somewhere else. The yes, generating yeah. the, the electricity for the batteries, of course, yeah. another matter entirely, okay. yes. Well, the problem is the weight of the batteries, because yes. in order to keep the planes going for any length of time, they need to be big and heavy, and the bigger and heavier they are, the bigger and heavier they are. So the more battery you need, and the more yes. battery you need, the more battery you need, and so on. Well, DARPA, who you will know, is the Defence Advanced Research Products Agency, Oddly enough, I did know that. You did know that. Yes. Well, they've come They're up with a new acronym. Yeah. They are quite famous. Uh, made famous mainly by Lost, I think, the TV series, where it was all about DARPA and their secret going oh, on. Oh, was it? I never saw Lost. Island. Oh, you never saw Lost? 
No, oh, no I just got the impression it was one of those things that never actually sort of moved on or finished. The first series was excellent, and it got it? sillier and sillier and sillier until they just faded out. I don't like starting watching things that I know aren't going to end. Yeah. Anyway, so they have a new acronym, which is POWER. Power all in capitals, which stands for Persistent Optical Wireless Energy Relay. So not only are they clever, but they always have much better meetings at which to come up with the acronyms. They clearly do. Yes. And they take their acronym very seriously. Yep. And the idea is that they will relay power from the ground to planes by laser. What Blimey. could possibly go wrong with firing a <laughs> laser at a plane? It is in the early stages. So it'll be quite a while before we see this. But if they can do it, there could be a little network of base stations that could fire lasers at planes and then power them enough to go wherever they want without landing. I mean, it's a oh, clever idea. Talking about the blue a... sky idea. But... Yes, <laughs> indeed. <laughs> <laughs> that does seem quite extraordinary. Uh, so maybe it's... Uh, it... Like I say, it's time to have... Um... One of these, but I can't actually remember which uh, what we do. Oh, I know. Here, you have to go away for a week, and I've no idea what to do. Here we are. Right, I'll go and have a cold shower afterwards. I think you should, but not in the middle. So, uh, I, we have talked quite a lot about humanoid robots, mm. uh, and everyone, even even Elon Musk of making their humanoid robots because they want to be the first to market. There's a quite an interesting one called the Digit, which is a humanoid robot. It, it's good for lifting and carrying stuff. Not not really very much else. It's uh, five foot nine inches high. It's 175 centimeters. And it can carry up to 16 kilograms. So rather more than your, your average person. Rather cleverly, it's got backwards legs. So rather than the knees projecting forwards, they project backwards like a well, like a, a bird, or in mm -hmm. fact like the rear end of a horse, which also right. projects backwards. And the reason for that is because they're going to lift something off a shelf, they don't want their knees to get in the way. So they can get close up to the shelf, and because the knees point out project backwards, they can get right down and, and mm. close up to the shelf. Well, people should be able to do that. It's so idiotic yes. that our knees are designed. And what's more, it's useful in panto season. It's useful in panto <laughs> season. Of course, it couldn't sit down easily with the knees projecting backwards, so maybe that's why our knees project forwards. Okay. Anyway, the whole point is, um, well, there are two interesting things about it. One is that they have been experimenting with a, a large language module, mm. in, uh, AI, artificial intelligence with it, which allows it to program itself using natural language prompts. So I've seen a film in which someone says to the robot, clean up this mess. Now, the robot has never heard the words clean up or mess before, but it can dig into the internet somewhere and find out what that actually means. And it was then able to sort uh, a floor full of rubbish into, into rubbish, plastic and paper for, for recycling. Now, it's not quick. There were four items on the floor, and it took the robot two minutes to dispose of all of them, a job that would have been done by a human in about 15 seconds. But nevertheless, it managed to do it. So why are we talking about this now? Well, the reason we're talking about it now is because Agile Agility Robotics, the people who are making it, have built a factory in Oregon where they reckon they can turn out 10,000 of these things a year. 
So they will be shipping them to their current customers next year and the year after. They'll say anyone can buy one. So this is the first mass-produced humanoid robot, which I think is really worth worth a mention, don't you? Fascinating. Yes. And having mentioned, why don't we take this opportunity of just having a quick break? Sharing ideas about money. This is Share Radio. This is Simon Rose discussing gadgets and gizmos with Steve Kaplan. So after the first mass-produced humanoid robot, which makes a change from all the candle... What were the other ones? Because a lot of them sort of simulate dogs, don't they? I saw one the other day. But what they've been a canoid robot. I don't know what... Canoid? Canine. Well, it should end in oid, surely. It should end in oid. Probably should end in oid. I don't know. Well, the the canine robot, I mean, they're there to patrol perimeters. We talked about the one that could be fitted with firearms recently. Yes, so it didn't have a flamethrower or something bizarre. It had a flamethrower, yes. Yes, yes. yes. Which is not something you want to fit onto a robot, especially an AI-equipped robot. Yes, but another way of cleaning up the mess, I suppose. (laughs) To incinerate it. Probably rather quicker. So where do we go now? We are working with art, actually. There's a Raphael painting called the De Bracy Tondo. Tondo simply meaning round. It's a round painting, and it's in the Cartwright Hall Gallery in Bradford. And there's been some doubts raised as to whether this painting is actually by Raphael, in which case it's worth a huge amount of money, or not by Raphael, in which case it's worth nothing. Which, given that it's the same painting, you'd think the value should be at how good the painting is, rather than who's, whether the signature in the bottom corner is uh, is authentic or not. It's like wishful thinking on your part, but yes, I it know probably you is. Yes, so they tried to work out whether it's the real thing. So they thought they'd bring a bit of AI into it. So they went to uh, the universities of Bradford and Nottingham, who between them got their facial recognition AI. Uh, into in progress and they compared it with a painting known to be by Raphael the Sistine Madonna altarpiece and they found a 97% similarity in the Madonna and an 86% similarity in the the child so they said yes overall that's almost certainly by Raphael so there you go AI to the rescue except they also went to a company in Zurich called the Art Recognition Company, who said, no, almost certainly not by Raphael, according to RAI. <laughs> Gosh. Okay. So there you go. Who do you trust? Who do you believe? It might be time to get a so human. The in. Cartwright Hall Gallery doesn't know whether it's, it can actually um, finance its refurbishment or not. No. No, exactly. Well, they're saying it's a Raphael. So why not? Why not let it, let it be a Raphael? But as you say, it should, yes, the, the, the beauty should be in the eye of the beholder rather than the provenance. You'd think it should. Yeah. Sadly, that's Because if it isn't a Raphael, it's somebody who's almost as good as Raphael. Yes. I, exactly. Exactly. Yeah. 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 Oh, well, but really I suppose it's the difference between um, William Shakespeare's signature and a photocopy of William Shakespeare's signature, which oh. are presumably worth different so, amounts. An alley down which we ought not to go, because we're going back no. to, to uh, oh, I've forgotten what they were called, though. Those weird those weird simulations of things. What were they called? The uh, the People selling I, I, tweets. I forgot what they were called. People selling tweets and things like that, and copies of tweets. And... Oh, NFTs. Thank you. I couldn't remember what it was called. tokens. Yes. Yes, yes. that's the one. Yeah, yeah. Indeed. Well, let's, Don't hear much about say, those these days. 
you don't hear much about those these days, so probably for good reason. Uh, we were sceptical at the beginning, and we are still sceptical. I think we were absolutely right. right. So we're now. Well, let's move on to from being up in the air to down firmly on the ground. Perhaps not that firmly. Yeah. It's an e-bike, and it's made by Honda, so it should be reliable. It's called the Moto Compacto. And which is curious because it's an Italian name for what is presumably a Japanese bike. But anyway, it's called the Moto Compacto and it folds up into a briefcase. Isn't that clever? How big a briefcase? Well, it is 76 by 53 centimeters by just under 10 centimeters thick. So to you, 30 inches. So not a briefcase a you could take on board most planes. By really. 21 inches high. So by. Um, a foot and three quarters high by under four inches thick. So, so you suitcase. could actually take it as suitcase. carry on almost. You could almost, mm, no, mm, not quite because no, it's no. 76 and I think 50 oh, yeah. Yeah. something yes. is the longest. But it is, it is certainly folds up into a briefcase and it's really clever because the seat folds inside it, the handlebars fold down and go inside it, mm. the rear wheel tucks up. You know, underneath, so that it's all very compact, and it's a very, and it's also white, which is cute. It looks a bit weird when you're riding it. Because it looks like you're riding a briefcase, which is <laughs> that's, a little, that, a little bizarre. That's yourself. I, but I, I love the way that the things like that and the and the folding bicycles, the, the the technology, the cleverness of the ability for these things to fold up into a much smaller shape. It's yeah. just so. Wonderful. It is. It is absolutely ingenious. F 15 miles an hour top speed, 12 mile range. So not a huge range, but no. if you're just talking about the last mile commuting, it's uh, it's pretty good. Uh, three and a half hours to charge it up, which actually isn't bad for mm -hmm. an electric bike. $995, and it will be on sale from November. So it, it's actually mm -hmm. going to happen. And I think it looks very, very cute. I would love okay. to see one of these things. So if you Want to look as though you're riding a briefcase? Now's your chance. <laughs> look no further. Yes. Okay. Where now? Well, it's time for our crowdfunding time of the week, I'm afraid. That's all right. In that case, I'll give you one of these. And if you like cycling, but you haven't really got time to go out cycling because you're stuck at your desk, you could do worse. You could possibly do better, but you could do worse than the Emperor Desk Bike. This is made from uh, by a company called Lifespan Fitness, based in mm. Utah. Isn't Utah? Isn't that where the Mormons are based? I think it is, isn't it? Yes, yes. Anyway, it's a dry, it is a dry state. I know, know to my cost. Dry state in the sense of no water. Or very no hard. Alcohol? Very hard to get alcohol. Oh, is that right? Mm. Oh, or probably Coca Cola, because I don't think Mormons drink that, or even oh. coffee. Oh, I'm sure we had coffee. I went with a friend who's obsessed with coffee. I'm sure I'd have heard a lot more if there'd been impossible you, you, to get you coffee. Probably would. Yes. Anyway, so this is a stationary bike. Mm -hmm. You use it at your desk, mm -hmm. and the pedals, as you turn it around, there's a USB-C charging port on the side from which you can power up your phone or even your your laptop. It's also got a QI wireless charging pad built into it, so you can just rest your phone in it. <laughs> And it's even got an RGB ring, so you can illuminate your feet with up to 12 colours. Do you I have mean, to go to a particular speed for a particular length of time in order to do this? It's quite I, hard to work if you're having to go effectively 30 miles an hour. Quite, quite hard to work. And a little bizarre if you're on a Zoom call and sitting there panting away. <laughs> 
<laughs> yes, yes, you might get ejected from the meeting. But mm, I mean, anyway, haven't we talked in the past about this sort of thing powering television? We have. Well, televisions don't use very much power, so oh, I guess so it's more sensible. Yes. It's got an app, of course. It's got an app. Everything has an app that measures your speed, your distance, the amount of calories you've burned. You will need to buy a standing desk because, of course, it's taller than your average hmm. desk chair. But they're supposed to be better for us anyway, aren't they? Standing they're desks. supposed to be better for us if, you, if you're happy standing. Personally, yeah. I'm not happy standing all day, so that will be of little use to me. Anyway, the uh, it's still on early bird pricing, which is $599.00 which is a little under 500 quid. And they proudly announce free yoga ball for the first 100 backers. Well, that's going to have them rushing. <laughs> it's it's going to have them rushing. I think that's a little bizarre. You wouldn't really. like it because you like electric bikes now. They should do one with an electric bike. So power it up before you get there. Brilliant. You don't have to do much of the work at all. Brilliant. You could power it from your phone if you reverse the... Uh, <laughs> the, the yes. Excellent. They haven't thought it through. They haven't, have they? So what now? Well, we're moving on to another thing that I don't think has been thought through. I was browsing on Facebook recently yeah. and I saw an ad for the Muammar Ryoko portable Wi-Fi 4G hotspot, as yeah. they call it. And I thought, OK, that sounds quite interesting. So I looked it up. Um, £89 reduced from £296.67. And what they don't tell you until you dig deep, deep, deep into the website is that it is it's just a MiFi unit. It's a, just an expensive MiFi unit. It comes with um five hundred megabytes of, of data, but then the implication is that it just gives you data wherever you are, but it doesn't tell you until you really, really look hard. Well, well what is MiFi? Oh, MiFi, it's a portable device that gives you Wi-Fi wherever you are through a 5G data sim. All right. Okay, well, I had one of those, but not 5G. And then well, um, Vodafone stopped making them or stopped supporting them. But it was quite useful. So why isn't this very useful then? Well, it is quite useful, but it's, you know, £89, not including import duty. They don't tell you how much that is. Yeah. And they tell you that if you're not happy with it, you can return it within 30 days as long as it's unused and unpacked. But by <laughs> unpacked, I think they mean un unpacked. So I don't know how you know within 30 days if you want to keep it, if you're not allowed to try it out first. But that's yes. clearly yes, yes. clearly the case. If you want a MiFi, you can get them from Amazon from about £34. Or if you're in three, the three network, you can get one for free. So frankly, watch out for things advertised at you on Facebook, which look really good and then turn out to be actually quite expensive and not nearly as good as they think they're going to be. Just a little little warning okay. for you there. And do you have something very quick you can finish with? Very quickly, I will talk about uh, the Seoul National University, which has produced a soft robot that can move around and heal itself like a living organism. Ooh. And when you finish using it, it will self-destruct into an oily puddle. Good grief. So this is Terminator territory. Exactly. Well, it's made of diphenyliodinium hexafluorophosphate, but you probably guessed that anyway. Yeah. yeah and mixed with a silicon resin. And it is it is a robot, as you say, that can that can just dissolve itself when it's no longer needed. I think but why wonderful. would you want it to self-destruct? Presumably it's expensive to begin with. I imagine so. Um 
there must be occasions when you'd want your robot to, I suppose if you're trying to assassinate someone with it, then you'd, you'd <laughs> having it dissolving into an oily puddle. There are all probably, there are probably a, a dozen um, examples in popular fiction of people being assassinated with, with ice daggers and that kind of thing. Yes, that's true. Yes. Well, yes. you'd get a robot to do it for you. Well, except it's, it, it's disobeying Asimov's first law of robotics. It is. It is. But there's probably a switch to turn that off. Yeah, I imagine there is. Thank you very much then to Steve Kaplan. That's it, though, for this week's Gadget and Gizmos. We'll be back with more at the same time next week. Is it a gadget? Is it a gizmo? No, it's Gadgets and Gizmos with Steve Kaplan and Simon Rose.